Boom. What's the topic? The topic is how do we understand the concept of serving Hashem with simcha, with joy? Is there really mitzvah gedoyla liyot besimcha? Is there really a mitzvah? This is uh, Rabbi Nachman from Breslov. Is mitzvah gedoyla liyot besimcha? There's a big mitzvah to be happy. Is there such really a mitzvah? I, I have issues to begin with, and when you go into that, I really am not going to understand any of it. No, no, I it was oh, okay. 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 So the question was, how do we fi- define simcha? Also, okay. How do we define what is simcha? Joy. So it's interesting because there's a difference on a, in a Torah perspective between happiness and joy. So I saw Rabbi Sachs wrote about four years ago. He wrote that happiness, said Aristotle, is the ultimate goal of which all humans aim. But in Judaism, it is not necessarily so. Happiness is a high value. And he translates the word ashray as happy. Who? Rabbi Sachs. He says, Ashrei, the closest Hebrew word to happiness, is the first word in the book of Psalms. We say the prayer known as Ashrei three times each day. We could surely endorse the phrase in the American Declaration of Independence that among the inalienable rights of humankind are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. He says, but Ashrei is not the central value of the Hebrew Bible. Occurring almost ten times as frequently is the word Simcha, joy. It is one of the fundamental themes of the book of Devarim. The root Simcha appears once in Bereshit, once in Shemot, once in Vayikra, once in Bamidbar. But in the book of Devarim, it appears uh, 12 times. He says, so it's the heart of the Mosaic vision of what life is going to be in Eretz Yisrael. Now we read in this week's Perasha, towards the end of the Tochacha, this week we have the 98 curses. We read, why does it all happen? What's the reason that you're going to be punished? What is the reason for all these terrible curses? And the Torah says, Because you did not serve Hashem your God, with joy, and with a, a good heart, from everything that, that you have. So this pasuk is the only explicit source in the Torah that you're obligated to serve Hashem with joy and tuvlev. Joy or happiness? Joy. It says that based on this pasuk, King David says in Tehillim, we say Mizmor David every day, if do it Hashem b'simcha, serve Hashem with joy. Come in front of him with song. So I saw a story and I'm trying to understand what's going on. Ah, so, so according to Rabbi Sachs, happiness, uh, I bring it on the, I bring it here. According to Rabbi Sachs, he says happiness is, is, is how we, we he says, uh, simcha in the Torah, uh, he, he says simcha in the Torah is never about individuals. You could be an individual, you could be happy, means you could be satisfied, you could be happy, it's just a way of life. He says, but simcha is coming from an emotional point. It's an emotional place. Joy, from emotion. Absolute exuberance, happiness. Dancing and singing. Euphoria. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not the same as, as a uh, being content. There's a content, which he's calling happiness, and there's joy, which that's a better word, euphoria, 
which is relating to joy. So he's saying you have to literally serve Hashem with this euphoria. joy, euphoria. So I saw a story that uh, joy seems is a lot stronger, comes from an emotional place as opposed to intellectual. It's more of an emotional. So Rab Moshe Komornik, he tells this story. I saw this story, a very strange story. But uh, a number of the rabbis in Deal brought it. Under one of the cruel regimes that imprisoned Jews for practicing their religion, two prominent rebbies were taken from their Bet Midrash and they were thrown into a prison cell. They shared a small dark room with only each other and a bucket of waste still full from the previous tenants uh, for company. At the sight of the prison cell, one of the rebbies began to cry. And he said, I'm not crying because we're in jail. I know that Hashem led us here, and everything Hashem does has to be for the best. Why am I crying? Because I didn't pray mincha. And sitting here with a bucket of waste, I'm not going to be able to pray mincha. And how could I serve Hashem if I can't even pray? So the other Rebbe smiled and said, Just as you serve Hashem by doing His will and praying mincha every day, now you're doing His will by not praying mincha. But you're serving Hashem in just the same way. That's it. This is what you have to do right now. After hearing that, the Rebbe who had not yet prayed mincha, what did he do? He rose with tears of joy. He grabs his, hands, his friend's hands and together they start to sing and dance around the bucket of waste. <laughs> and, and they're ecstatic at the thought of serving Hashem according to His will even when it's what they couldn't understand. Hearing all the commotion, the prison guards run in and they see these two crazy rabbis dancing around the bucket of waste. They witness this bizarre scene and not wanting to have the rabbis to have any joy they decide, oh, they're happy that they're dancing around the waist. We're taking, We're taking the waist out. <laughs> so they run into the cell. They remove the bucket. So happy that they deprive the Rebbe's of their joy. As soon as the gods left, they're the Rebbe who had not prayed, turned towards Jerusalem, prayed mincha, once again delighted to serve Hashem in the best way possible. Is that simcha? <laughs> Is that simcha? Is that what we're supposed to do? So Rabbeinu Bachia writes something unbelievable. I mean, when I, when I started seeing this, I got like... Because, you know, the big question I have is how do we really do it? But the concept to understand what is asked of us, when we see now, I'm going to bring from Rabbeinu Bachia, from the Arizal, from the Zohar, some crazy stuff to do with, with joy. He says, He's quoting from this week's Perashah, because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. He says, what does it mean? He says, if you, if you serve God and you didn't serve Hashem with joy, because a man is required, on joy, when he's doing the mitzvot, he must be happy doing the mitzvot. And the joy that he experiences while doing the mitzvah, Mitzvah b'fneatzmo. That joy is a mitzvah on its own. Meaning, he does a mitzvah, but because he's happy doing the mitzvah, he gets the mitzvah for the mitzvah plus the mitzvah for the joy. But here's the scary part. He says, In addition to the reward that is there for him on the mitzvah, He has reward because of the simcha. The alken, and therefore, Ya'anish. Bekan, 
he's going to get punished here. To someone who does a mitzvah, and he didn't do the mitzvah, enjoy. He says, therefore, the person who does the mitzvah, he'll get reward for the mitzvah, but he'll get a sin for not being happy when he did the mitzvah. It's heavy, very heavy. This is according to who? This is according to Rabbeinu But it, it seems it's according to everybody. Because you're going to see all the other opinions basically are so heavy behind this. I, I wrote here, that's very heavy. <laughs> Fine, okay. So I understand the, the need to, to do it with joy. You're running late in the morning, okay? You, you want to pray, and you have to pray. So you pray, but you're speeding through it because you're no afraid not to pray. I, I, so my, my answer always there is, a very simple answer. If I go out, even now, if, if I don't call my mother during the day, she gets mad at me. But if I call my mother, even if it's 30 seconds, she's very happy that I called her. So the same way, in my relationship with Hashem, maybe I can't go to lunch with Him that day. Maybe I can't spend as much time as I want to spend. But, as long as I make the phone call and check in, like my mother's happy, even though I'm not going to be so happy, at least I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, but Shacharit is not three minutes. Okay, so, okay, so you know what I'm saying. I'm saying, but you're checking in. Right. But what if the guy is really late and all he has time to do is he's going to put on his tefillin, he's going to say, Shema and the Amida, and boom. He's late. It's already too late to pray. Okay. But he wants to put on his tefillin. So? But, but shouldn't that have a certain credit? Absolutely. You're aware, but he's saying... But you're afraid so you to should, not pray but the, but, because you're aware of so the... So he's not saying... So a person at that point should still be happy. I'm still saying hello to daddy. No, I understand. But what I'm saying is that you're so aware that Hashem controls everything. Mm-hmm. You're, you're aware of his omnipotence, his... Uh, his single his singularity, his it. But why can't you still be happy even if you're rushing? Why can't you still be still happy? be happy? Say, I'm still right. saying hello. I still made the phone call. I'm so happy right. that I, I did what I was right. supposed After to do. After you do it, you're happy. Even while I'm yeah. doing it, try. I'm happy. I'm able to do it, even though I'm rushing. Even though I have to still think I should be happy. That's what it seems to be. So I said the problem I have with this is is I said it's very heavy. So I said, but there's a story that you always hear. You hear about the you know the wealthy guy. He's not observant. And he tells you, you know, my father, he came to America, and uh, when he came to America, he worked in the sewing factory uh, in the Lower East Side, and if he didn't work on Shabbat, he lost his job. So every week, he would push himself and push himself, and, you know, he'd get a job, and, uh, you know, he, maybe one week he'd have an excuse, but by the next week, he didn't show up on Saturday, the guy said, don't come back on Monday. And he lost his job, and he had to find another job, and we struggled our whole lives, seeing how committed our father was to religion, and he lost his job. So the rabbi asked him, but so how, if your father was so, so, so devoted. devoted, how could you just be zero? How could you give it all up? He said that my father, every time he lost his job, he would come home and he'd tell us, oh, it's very hard to be a Jew. So I said, well, okay, why should I be a Jew? So it seems the father was, didn't have the joy, and that led to the son losing everything. The story here again and again. So there's a sefer called Sefer Haredim, and it writes in the name of the Arizal that the accomplishments of the Arizal in the realm of Torah and Ruach HaKodesh 
came as a reward for what? The great joy he exhibited in the service of Hashem. Here are the words. V'chen gila harav ha-chasina mekubal, moreinu harav Yitzchak Ashkenazi. This is the, uh, the Arizal. He says, Talmido Rabbi Chaim Vital, his student Rabbi Chaim Vital, that everything that he received in this world, that everything he received, meaning all his, his basis for serving Hashem, was derived from a pasuk that says, Tachar Hashem, was based on this pasuk of this week's perasha, that if I don't serve Hashem with joy, it's zero. So everything he did was to serve Hashem with joy. And because he served Hashem with joy, Hashem opened up his mind in order to understand all the secrets of the Torah. All of this came to the Arizal simply because he, uh, he, he says simply because he, uh, he served Hashem with joy. This joy exceeded, he writes, all other worldly pleasures and all forms of wealth. This is the words of, of Sefer Hasidim. He says, to better understand the significance and value of performing a mitzvah with joy and gladness, we have to look in the Gemara. We learn that joy associated with the mitzvah brings the Shekhinah. The Gemara addresses an apparent contradiction between two statements in Kohelet. It's interesting, the book of the Torah that has Simcha more is Kohelet. Kohelet uses Simcha again and again. It says, ani et ha-simcha. He says, I praise the joy. That's in one place. And in another place, he says, And joy, what does it do for you? So in one place he says, I praise joy. Another place he says, what does joy do? So the, the Gemara asks, what does Solomon mean? Is joy good or joy bad? What joy is he talking about? He says, so it brings in the Gemara. This is the way the Gemara writes it. He says, Joy that is not related to a mitzvah. The Shekhinah doesn't come. So he, he, and he brings... The Shekhinah won't come when a person's sad. It won't come when a person's lazy. It won't come when a person makes jokes. It won't come because a person is lightheaded, meaning he's uh, also, you know, happy. The Shekhinah will not come. He's saying that there's a joy that a person might have. No, the, what will not come? The, the will not come. No, the Shekhinah will not come to a person in any of these cases. Not from conversation, not from nonsense. He says all of these things, you could be happy, you could be making jokes, you could go to the comedy club. And you say, oh, but Simcha is going to bring the Shekhinah. No, that Simcha doesn't bring the Shekhinah. He says, what Simcha brings the Shekhinah? Only Simcha Shel Mitzvah. So he says that's the difference between King Solomon. You could have Simcha that's worthless, and you could have Simcha that brings the Shekhinah, that's the Simcha of the, of the, of the, of the mitzvah. Okay? So, but you're going to see that he's going to, this is going to, going to throw us into left field in a minute. Sorry? Go ahead. But you can have joy from other things too, where you connect it to God. It's not a mitzvah. If something happens, you know, you're thrilled that uh, Right, well, you know, someone just had a baby. I'm thrilled. Wow, so happy, right. and that's it. So, but that you connecting to my appreciation. Thank you, God, for for whatever, and you're able to take that joy and transfer but, it. But that's probably yeah. the happy contentment. You have, but you have, but that the interesting because you're going to see how it, how he brings it, how what you're saying works. Because think of the case where Yaakov Avino and Yosef. Yaakov sees Yosef. He thinks he's dead, and he's Yosef's crying on his shoulders. And what's Yaakov doing? Crying. Saying Shema. Trump. 
So he's saying Shema because at that moment he's taking the joy from his son and converting it into the mitzvah of Shema. What does that mean? What's going on? He's taking the physical joy or a lower joy to try to bring it up. What's going on? He says that, he says the, that, that Rav Chaim Vital writes that, that, that the Arizal only achieved all of what he achieved, his Ruach HaKodesh and merit of the joy. I think of the concept as David writes, and so he says, he says it's interesting. So, uh, sorry, the Pasuk states in Tehillim, Sod Hashem, the secret of Hashem, Lireav, is to those who fear him. Uberito Lehodiyam, and his covenant is to those who recognize Hashem. So he says, to merit the comprehension of Torah requires the presence of the Shekhinah. Only then will the secrets of the Torah be revealed. This is precisely the message conveyed by the Arizal. So he says he only achieved his Torah insights and Ruach HaKodesh in the merit of the joy associated with the performance of mitzvah. But he's here he's talking about Yir'ah, which is fear. So which is it? Joy or fear? The problem we have, I, I pulled out, we have in Tehillim, it says, If do it Hashem, we see the second psalm, says, If do it Hashem, serve Hashem, Be'ira, with fear. And then we said, we read every day, If do it Hashem, Be'simcha, with joy. So which one is it? Serve Hashem with fear, serve Hashem with joy. How do you connect the two? There has to be a connection. You need your ah. And only a simcha that comes through yir'ah is a simcha that works. So the yir'ah, we could translate it as fear, but I think we could also oh. translate yir'ah, you could translate it as all, but I think as recognition. It's because it comes from seeing. So I'm recognizing yir'ah shamayim, fear of heaven or recognition of heaven. Right? So if I recognize, then that's the joy that works. So now, I, so I said going further, it's essential to explore the nature of joy, the simcha that must attend the performance of mitzvot. Is it merely an internal simcha from the heart, rejoicing at the fact that one is merited to serve Hashem, the King of Kings, or is it necessary to display outward simcha? What does it mean, simcha? Could I just say, oh, I'm so happy. But I keep to myself, I'm happy. To go further, we're going to refer to the Rambam. The Rambam, he says, the words of every Jew who wants to serve Hashem properly, they should review this Rambam. He elaborates on the concept of simcha that should accompany all mitzvot and which is derived from the pasuk in this week's perasha. We said, Tachar asher lo avad Hashem, because he didn't serve Hashem with joy, that's why all this happens. Hasimcha shismach adam. The joy that a person will be happy with. Be'asiyat ha-mitzvah, in the doing of the mitzvah, and in loving God, who commanded, it's a big job. And anyone, he says, failure to serve Hashem joyfully deserves punishment. This is Rambam, Maimonides. The capacity to serve Hashem with Simcha is related to whether a person is arrogant or humble. He refers to one who is arrogant as a sinner and a fool, and one who is humble deserves respect and serves Hashem with ultimate love and simcha. Where does he have proof of this? From the Pesukim in Shmuel Bet concerning David HaMelech. So he's saying that, that a person who's arrogant is never going to have true simcha and serving Hashem, 
only a person who's humble. From what? According to the words of Rambam, a connection exists between the simcha accompanying the performance of a mitzvah and the attribute of humility. He's, it's, it's surprising. What connection is there between failing to serve Hashem with simcha and a person's arrogance and sense of self-importance? What does one have to do with the other? The Rambam says that the essence of simcha associated with the performance of mitzvot is not only an internal joy, but the Rambam writes that a person has to express it externally, utilizing all 248 limbs and 365 sinews. That means with his whole body. This was Thus, David Amalek was doing yeah. this. And, and, and his wife That's it. Was, was arrogant. Exactly. She, she, was, she felt she was above this. and she... he, he should be above. Yeah. That's what she said. Thus, if someone refrains from expressing simcha openly, it's because he's afraid that he's going to be laughed at and ridiculed. Okay? He's overly concerned about his own pride and reputation. That's the words of Rambam. It is interesting that Rambam chose to include this halakha. Where, where do we find this halakha from Rambam? We find this halakha in Hilchot Lulav. Hilchot Lulav, the laws of the Lulav. Why in the Hilchot Lulav? He says, it appears because there the Torah scholars express their joy and happiness during Simchat Beth HaShoevah, during the water pouring when they were dancing with the Lulav. And the Gemara in Sukkah, what does it describe? It describes Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, who was the president of the assembly. What is he doing? He takes eight flaming torches and he's juggling and doing physical things that nobody else could do. He says, this rabbi, a great rabbi, the head rabbi, you know, doing that? It says, from these exhibitions of Simcha, the Rambam deduces that Simcha in the service of Hashem must be displayed publicly without fear of shame. This is precisely what the Tanaim did during the Simchat Bet HaShoevah ceremony. They set aside all considerations of personal honor in their service of Hashem. Thus the Rambam concludes that one who refrains from expressing Simcha openly in this manner for fear of embarrassing himself, he says he's a sinner and a fool. Heavy duty. We now could appreciate why the Rambam proved his point concerning this. He says it comes just like, uh, like Moshe said, it comes from David HaMelech. When David HaMelech is returning the ark from captivity among the Pelishtim, they're bringing the ark back. We find the following depiction. David, David, he says he's dancing with all his strength in front of Hashem. He's girded in a linen tunic, meaning he's wearing a... And he's jumping up and down, and what happens? It opens up a little. <laughs> So David and the entire house of Israel brought the Aaron of Hashem with loud, joyous sound and Kol Shofar. And it happened as the Aaron Hashem came into the city of David that Michal, the daughter of Shaul, looked out the window and she saw David HaMelech leaping and dancing before Hashem. She became contemptuous of him in her heart. David returned after this whole parade to his house. Michal, the daughter of Shaul, went out, went out to, so she went out to David, and she said to David, how honored was the king of Israel today, who was exposed today in front of all the people, in front of all the servants, in front of all the maidservants, as one of the boars who gets drunk, gets exposed. So, so David, David answered her and well, said, Livnei Hashem asher bachar bi. 
in front of God who chose me, me'avicha, from your father, umikol beto, and from all of his house. He says, he says, in front of me, he made me the ruler. In front of God, I rejoiced. Before Hashem should I rejoice. And I shall behave even more humbly than this, and I shall be lowly in my eyes, and among the maidservants of whom you smoke, spoke, among them I'll be honored. So the, he says, he's telling her, no, if I'm going to be in front of Hashem, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be embarrassed. It's in front of Hashem that I'm dancing with joy. It says that Michal, the, 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 uh, the Navi writes, he writes, Ule Michal bat Shaul lo hayala yeled ad yom mota. From that day forward, she could never get pregnant because of that. Now it's known that Michal, the daughter of Shaul, was very, very righteous. The Gemara and Eruvin talks about the fact that she put on tefillin every day and the rabbis didn't disagree with it. But it's interesting, Talmud Yerushalmi says she put on tefillin every day and the rabbis told her not to. It's interesting the difference between the Yerushalmi and the Bavli. So how do we understand the fact that she belittled David HaMelech for his enthusiastic dancing and his open display of Simcha in front of the Ark? We have to suggest that Michal felt that the mitzvah of the Simcha and the service of Hashem was meant to be restricted to what? Internal, heartfelt expression. Hence, when she saw David Amelech dancing like a madman, wild in public, she complained that he's demeaning himself. He's the king. He shouldn't be doing this. In response, David corrected her misconception concerning the meaning of simcha in the service of Hashem. He emphasized that this type of simcha must be expressed physically and outwardly, even if it means. Even if it means for the sake of Hashem and display his simcha like a commoner. For disparaging David HaMelech's antics, Hashem exacted punishment from her. So it seems the, the other aspect of simcha is we see in this week's Pedashat, we have simcha in the Bikurim. We also have simcha if a guy gets married. So it says that a person who gets married, he has to be mesameach, his bride, for a year. This week's Pedashat. And when you bring them Bikurim, you have to be happy with the ger and the this and the that and everyone else. So simcha is something that doesn't happen on an individual basis. It has to be shared. It has to be something outside of you. It says that... This we're talking about joy? Joy, simcha. Only we're talking about joy. It says that you shall bring all your offerings to the central sanctuary. You're doing it together with everyone. Simcha is joy shared. It's not something we, express, we experience in solitude. So it really has to be something out because it has to be something that other people could be part of. So he says that, that he, so this was, I pulled again from, uh, from Rabbi Sachs. He quotes J.D. Salinger. He says, happiness is a solid, joy is a liquid. He says, happiness is something you pursue, but joy is not. It discovers you. It has to do with a sense of connection to other people or to God. It comes from a different realm than happiness. It is a social emotion. It's an exhilaration we feel when we merge with others. It's the redemption of solitude. So he's saying a heavy duty on, uh, on what, what this uh, concept of joy is. So maybe we could say that it comes from a deep seed of emotion. It's beyond physical. Now it's incumbent upon us to explain the astonishing fact that all of the harsh punishment and curses described in the Torah, you have 98 curses, all come to you because you weren't, you didn't have joy. Furthermore, since the Torah didn't command us yet to be happy, it doesn't say anywhere before this to be happy, to be joyful. And uh, if you're not going to be joyful, you're going to get punished. So what's going on? 
But that's also in, in, in uh, Devarim. But that's only saying in the holiday. He's saying here that the reason that all these curses happen is because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. But it doesn't say mitzvah gedoy liyos besimcha. It doesn't say in the Torah. If it said that on page one, you okay, I understand. So he's saying, so how do we understand this? Also, he says the Gemara brings she'en shechina shura. The shechina doesn't rest upon a person lo mitoch atzvut, not from sadness. Ela mitoch davar simcha shel mitzvah. But but the shechina will only rest upon a person who has this exuberant joy. From doing a mitzvah. So now we go into really wild territory. The Zohar says something that just blew me away. It says, The evil inclination is required in the world. Just like rain is required in the world. We have to have an evil inclination. The Alma Yetzir Hara. He says that if not for the Yetzer Hara, Simcha related to the study of Torah would not exist. We require the Yetzer Hara to experience Simcha in the learning of Torah. He says this applies not only to the Simcha associated with Torah study, but to the Simcha associated with the performance of all mitzvot and the Simcha associated with prayer. Simcha is impossible without the Yetzer Hara. We find this concept in the Sefer Zohar Chai. And he says, what, what's going on here? He says, it's impo- is it really impossible to serve Hashem with Simcha in the absence of the Yetzer Hara? He says, how can we say that? He says, so he quotes now the Zohar Chadash in Lech Lecha. This is what we read in the, the night before the Brit Milah. The man's Yetzer Tov is none other than the neshama, the portion of God from above that resides within us. This is from the Zohar. He says, Hashem sent this neshama to wage battle against the nachash, the serpent, which is the yetzer hara. After 13 years, the neshama arises to heal the body. It battles the nachash, forcing it to accept the yoke of Torah, it drags it into the house of prayer and study halls. This, in fact, is the source of the following excerpt from the commentary of the Or Chaim Kadosh on Parshat Bereshit. He quotes, Vayomer Elohim Yehi Or. Sholeach El HaAdam Ezer Neger Yitzro. God sends to man a helper against his evil inclination. And this helper will arrive at his 14th year, he says, upon entering the 14th year of life, it appears from its heavenly abode to assist man in his battle against the Yetzirah. It is holy and pure and possesses an intense light since it is taken from below the throne of Hashem. It's a portion from God above. Hashem sends it to prevent man from drowning in the mire and succumbing, succumbing to the Yetzirah. Now the Ramah, writes in the opening pages of Shulchan Aruch in the name of the Rambam in Romorer Nebuchim. One should always have in mind that he is in the presence of Hashem and should act and speak accordingly. He's quoting basic, based on the Pasuk that a person should start his day by saying, Shaviti Hashem I, I have Hashem in front of me always. So based on this Pasuk he's saying that a person always has to 
imagine that God is with him. Surely a person's actions and speech, when he is at home alone with his family, are not the same as his actions and speech in the presence of an important person like a king. All the more so if a person has in mind that Hashem in all his glory is standing over him, observing all he does, he's going to be overcome with fear and submission and be embarrassed to act inappropriately. So he's saying a person always has to imagine God is there. If I see God in front of me always, then I'm going to be a nervous wreck and I'm never going to do anything wrong. The Midrash explains that the neshama only remains in the physical body because every time she wants to go, she sees God in front and she gets scared and she runs back in. The Pasuk says, we all praise Hashem. According to this Midrash, man's neshama is always trying to leave. But every time it tries to step out, it sees God, gets scared, and goes back. Where it's going to leave? Where is it going? It wants to go back up to, okay. to heaven. It wants to go join the, join the Shekhinah. But then it sees the Shekhinah, sees Hashem, and goes, Oh, I'm going back in. Why is it afraid? Why is it afraid of... Because uh, it, it's fear. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But it wasn't... The, the argument would be... It's not my fault. Yeah, it was the body that did it. I didn't do it. So according to this scene, the neshama, a portion of Hashem from above, actively fulfills the words of the pasuk, Shaviti Hashem tamid. I see Hashem in front of me always. She's constantly yearning to leave the physical body, reunite with Hashem. When she sees that her maker rests as Shekhinah in this world, she says, okay, I have to stay here also. That's the other side of it. He says, so we explain the Ramah, he guarantees she's immediately overwhelmed with fear and submission. So now we begin to understand to a small degree what the Zohar is saying. If not for the Yetzir Hara, there would be no joy associated with the study of Torah. Because from the perspective of the Neshama in the brain, which is the Yetzir Tov, it's impossible to exhibit Simcha associated with the performance in the mitzvah and the service of Hashem because a portion of God constantly sees Hashem and is there in fear. So where do you get the joy? He says, the Yetzer Hara in the physical body does not actually see its maker. It could only imagine the presence of Hashem. He says, consequently, as long as it does not entertain this image, it could exhibit apparent simcha concerning all senseless matters in the world. So the Yetzer Hara can laugh at, you know, the jokes and whatever, you know, Comedy Central. So only the Yetzer Hara experiences all these jokes for nonsense things, all the laughter for nonsense. So the, so the goal then is, is to take the simcha from nonsense and convert that simcha to a simcha in the performance of the mitzvah and the service of Hashem. Goes further in the Zohar Chai. He says, when a person utilizes the exuberance and passion of simcha that stems from the Yetzir Hara in the service of Hashem, a phenomenal transformation occurs. This person merits transforming his Yetzer Hara into a Yetzer Tov, which now helps him in his service to Hashem. So basically, you have to pull the joy from the Yetzer Hara. We have to have experienced it from the Yetzer Hara side. That's why maybe we don't get a Yetzer Tov till we're 14th year, till the 13th in a day, because we have to experience this joy. And who has more joy? You see, children. You have to take that joy from nonsense and turn that joy into a spiritual joy in doing a mitzvah. Does a woman get the uh, uh, At 12. The same. So, this is, that's why we, yeah, yeah. so that's why we see in Kriyat Shema, 
It says, What should it say? It should say, You should love God with all your heart. But it says, It's a double bet. What does it mean, double bet? The Gemara Berachot says, Double bet with your two hearts. What do you mean, two hearts? I have one heart. It says, No. You have to serve God with both inclinations, with your evil inclination and your good inclination. It says that's how we can understand this whole idea because what did it say? You didn't serve Hashem with joy and betuv lev, with a good heart. Meaning that a person has to take the emotion, take all of that which comes from a raw place within, which is the side of the Yetzir Hara, and transform that into good, transform that into joy of mitzvah, and that transforms the person. The Orchot Sadikim that love Hashem is associated with Simcha. He says, he states that the Simcha liberates a person from the body's physical pleasures and worldly pleasures. He says that we can understand this from Ve'ahavtat Hashem Elokecha. You love Hashem out of, he says, not just out of Yir'ah, but out of love. As a result, a person can serve Hashem Bechol Levavcha. Goes further, and he brings this again from the Sefer, the Sefer, uh, uh, this the surfer from Isaac of Komarna. He says, "Vechen hayaragil," and my this and and my Morida Morido Kadosh, my uncle, the holy Kabbalist Rav Svi Hirsch, kesheya roer ezem mitpalel. When he would see someone pray, belochiyut, without enthusiasm, uteshuka esh Kadosh, and without a holy fire, ele kamet. But he was like a dead person praying. He would say to him, This person praying, Without his Yetzir Hara. What does he mean? He means a person has to be able to take his Yetzir Hara, utilize it for good in order to lift up his prayer. It says, how do we understand this? The Gemara tells us in the second paragraph of Shema, Serve God with your two Hearts again. What is ovdo? Worship. So if you're not worshiping God with both inclinations, then you're not worshiping Hashem as the way you're supposed to worship Hashem. Only in this manner can a person transform the yetzer hara into a yetzer tov. This is the significance of the statement, Ezehu avodah shehibalev. It says, what's the, what's the work of the heart? That is tefillah, but transforming the negativity or the evil inclination to Yetzirah Torah. The Maharal writes, When a man is joyous, his soul, his nefesh is complete and whole. Bishlemut. Only when his joy is that of a mitzvah is it a divine wholeness and praiseworthy. Otherwise its physical cannot be considered complete and therefore not praiseworthy. So he says you have to combine the physical and the spiritual in your service of Hashem. So now we could appreciate why the Torah provides the reason for all the curses. You didn't serve God with joy and a good heart. Because what's happening? Initially we're astounded, how can you tell me that I did something wrong because I didn't serve Hashem with joy? But what it's telling us is the Yetzir Hara wants to be transformed. It wants to be transformed into good. So that it too could participate in the service of Hashem. Yet when people do not serve Hashem with, with, with Simcha, the Yetzir Hara remains in its evil state. In fact, it's, the, it's angry at man for not having rectified it, not transforming it, 
And the Yetzirah then takes revenge upon man, prevents him from doing himself and elevating himself in the service of Hashem. It rallies the forces of evil against Hashem. And it brings him down in various ways. And therefore he messes up. And therefore it says, Therefore you get the 98 curses. Because the goal of a person has to be to have joy. To have such joy in doing the mitzvah that he's taking that joy from the Yetzir Hara and transforming the Yetzir Hara who becomes a helper and overcomes everything. For if you served Hashem with Simcha, you would have turned the Yetzir Hara into Yetzir Tov. That's the bottom line. He says the Torah is acquired in 48 ways, with humility, with joy, and purity. With joy, because one who learns with joy can learn more than an hour. What a person, he could sit for hours because he has this joy going through him. So he says this whole thing, that's, the, that's what Rabbi Chaim Valosian writes. He says that's why a person has to have this joy, because then it pushes away the Yetzirah, because the Yetzirah becomes a Yetzirah. So if we succeed in resolving this issue of how man could be, could be punished for failing to serve Hashem with joy, he says, we learn from Kriyat Shema, Ve'ahavta et Hashem lechecha bechol You have to love Hashem with your two hearts, with your two inclinations. When we perform mitzvah with simcha, we transform the Yetzir Hara from a force of evil to a force of good. Last but not least, we could explain the deeper significance of the Gemara. The Shekhinah does not rest upon a person through gloom, nor through laziness, nor through levity, nor through foolishness, nor through chatter, nor through idle conversations. Rather, only through the joy associated with the mitzvah. For Hashem only rests the Shekhinah in a place full of goodness, devoid of any evil. Hence, so long as a person has failed to transform his internal yetzer hara into a yetzer tov, the Shekhinah doesn't want to have anything to do with him because evil remains with that person. Yet by means of the simcha associated with the mitzvah, the yetzer hara is transformed into yetzer tov. Man finally is all good and he merits the presence of the Shekhinah. And that's when you get bracha, when you merit the presence of the Shekhinah. So you go through, I, I pulled after stories from the, from the Gra, and he says, how did the Gra get happy? And he brings stories of him. He, he was trying to understand the Gemara. He couldn't understand it. One of his students came by. He told the student he's so depressed because he can't figure out this Gemara. Try to explain it to him. The student said, you're asking me to explain it to you? He says, yeah, try. Just see. He starts to explain and he's worried. You know, he says, but you know, the rabbi will figure out what I'm trying to say. The rabbi's face lit up because from what the student started to say, he figured it out and he explained it back to the student. And it was Friday afternoon. And he said to his uh, family, bring me something to eat. The man says, are you going to eat Friday afternoon before Shabbat? We don't eat Friday afternoon. They said he hasn't eaten for three days because he couldn't figure out the Torah. But you brought him such joy that now he wants to eat. They bring another time where he didn't have a lulav and a drog. And the students made a deal with some guy. And the guy says, I'll only give you my lulav and a drog for the rabbi if I get all his sikhar and olam haba for doing the mitzvah. The students said, okay, we'll do it. But they didn't want to tell the rabbi. The rabbi said, what's going on here? You're all nervous. He said, rabbi, we promised the guy we're going to give all the sikhar from you doing the mitzvah. He says, now I'm so happy. He was ecstatic, jumping with joy. Why? Because now I'm finally doing the mitzvah for the mitzvah, not even for the reward of the mitzvah. And he says, the last thing is, on Simchat Torah, when they, when they opened the Aron Kodesh, on Simchat Torah, they brought out the Torah. They said, the Gerah burst into wild, joyous dancing, which didn't stop until they put it back. So he says, so I, I know, you know, it's interesting. The one, I don't drink, right? I really don't drink anymore. So the one time, the one day I drink a little is Simchat Torah. And why do I drink Simchat Torah? So I said, my whole life, I went to clubs. 
and I danced, and I got drunk, and I danced. I didn't get drunk, but I was, you know, yeah, I drank, and I danced, and I had a good time on speakers or whatever I was doing. How do I make up all for that? That simcha, that's worth nothing. I have to take that simcha and turn that simcha into the simcha of simcha Torah. So I become a little crazy in Simcha Torah and I become almost like a wild man. Like, well, what am I doing? Because I'm trying to be metaken, to be the joy in the Simcha Torah, to replace the joy of that joy, to make the joy come to a certain level. So it says, but you could be embarrassed. How can you do that in front of somebody, the rabbi, you're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be whatever. No, don't be embarrassed. If David HaMelech is not embarrassed, you shouldn't be embarrassed. If Rav Shimon Ben Gamliel is not embarrassed throwing up the, the things, don't be embarrassed. Try our best. To, to bring Simcha into the mitzvot that we do, try our best to bring Simcha into, into the tefillah. And maybe to think about saying, you know what, I could be so happy because God is giving them the privilege to be able to talk to Him. He's listening to me. He's giving me an audience. You try to call a big buyer, he doesn't answer you. I call him days, a guy can't get through to him. God Himself is standing, no, come and visit me, talk to me, hang out with me. Should be so happy. Imagine if you you were trying to get into the senior buyer in uh, in Walmart. You know, I have this product. Well, I'm going to get to the guy. Finally, the guy calls you back. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Wow, I'm jumping up and down for joy. Now, how much is more so should it be if I'm being able to speak to Hashem? Whatever I want to speak to Hashem, I should be jumping up and down for joy. So, I think that's really this idea of some to try to understand how to how to how to explain it. Um, I'm still working on it. By Saturday, I'll have it.